Hey there, it's Pat Miller, the Idea Coach, host of the Pat Miller Show. This show is for small business owners so they can make their business dreams come true. Our slogan is Don't Grow It Alone. And what you're going to hear is a broadcast of our show that's carried in 25 cities around the country. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Hope you love it. All right, let's go. Broadcasting from the small business capital of America, this is WIIFM Milwaukee, an idea coach station. You're on the small business journey, and sometimes you need a dose of creativity and a helping hand, and that's why we're here. Welcome to the Pat Miller Show, where we build big ideas live without a net, so you can turn your small business dreams into reality. You share what you're building, and we'll rally to help make it bigger, better, faster, more. And it's not just what will be, we also want to hear your wins. So we're all reminded that small business success is here for every single entrepreneur that gets clear, works hard, and doesn't quit. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pat Miller, the Idea Coach. If you want to be a part of the show, hello, we are standing by. We don't even charge you. Like, come on. We want you to reserve your slot on the program. Hit up patmillershow.com. We want to hear your challenges, your opportunities, the things you're building, your favorite ice cream flavor, your celebrations. We just want to talk with you. So if you want to come on the show, we're right here. patmillershow.com. It's the place to be. And I have to talk a little bit about coming on the show because it relates to what's on my mind this week. Some people don't want to come on the show for a reason that's obvious when you say it out loud, but people don't admit it. Some people don't want to come on the show because they don't want to be vulnerable. They don't want to admit that they don't know something. Now think about that. We would rather operate inefficiently. We would rather not know than to go on someone's podcast and say, hey, other person, maybe you know something I don't. And I can't blame you. It takes an immense amount of courage for the people to come on the show and say, hey, Pat, someone that maybe I've never met, uh, I don't know how to do something, especially if you're a coach or a consultant or an expert in your field. I think it shows a lot of strength and a lot of courage when you're willing to admit something that you don't know. So if you're sitting there thinking, man, I wish this thing would be different. I wish my reality would change. I wish something would happen in my business. And the reason why it's not is because you don't know how to affect that change. Or here's another warning sign. You feel frustrated. You're just, things aren't doing what I want them to do. I push the button and the candy bar doesn't come out. Something's not right. That feeling That's when it's time to ask for help. And it doesn't have to be help from me. Get help from wherever you get help. But that's the time to ask for help. And when you feel that feeling and you think, "Mm, that might be time to ask for help, and you don't, that is your ego and pride getting in the way. Now think about that. Some people would rather hide And pretend that they don't have a problem. So everyone thinks that they're smart. So everyone thinks they're an influencer. So everyone thinks they're an expert. They'd rather suffer than get the problem fixed. Think about that. You'd rather have other people think you're smart than actually be effective. You'd rather have other people think you're a thought leader than hit your profit margins then pay off your credit card, then be able to afford hamburgers right now. Holy crap, the grocery store. Don't let that voice in your head stop you from getting the help you need. And remember, asking for help is a courageous act, something we should all admire. So summon the courage, hit up patmillershow.com, and don't let your ego get in the way. Because you're only harming yourself. 
With that in mind, let's pay extra respect to the folks that did pick up the phone and that are coming on the show, that do want help, that are asking for guidance, that want to make a difference in their business. So tune in and listen with me as we try and help our guests today, Pat and Chad, and our first guest, Amy Pierquet from Waterfront Graphic Design. Amy, thank you for calling in this week. We appreciate it. Tell everyone who you are, what you do, and then we'll ask how we can help you today. Well, great. Great to see you again, Pat. Um, my name is Amy Perquette. I own Waterfront Graphic Design. I help business owners get found on the internet. So I help them build their websites, work on their SEO, um, help and fix problems on their website, and help maintain them so they run at top efficiency. I love that description, get found on the internet, because that's really the result of what all of your efforts are. So very great. So how can we help you today? What's on your mind? Well, I recently um, have been talking with different clients all over the country and finding out that I have a little bit more of a niche than I thought I did. And um, it's basically come to my attention that Yes, I build websites and I'm a graphic designer, but that's actually a rarity to have both of those in the same person. So the ability to build a website, but also be able to design and then also maintain websites for clients. So the the biggest struggle I have right now with this new information is how do I spread that word out to um, potential new clients that that is a niche that I have. Let's first establish why that niche is so valuable. What makes it unique in the industry that you're in? Well, I'm... I'm finding that there's, you know, there's a lot of different website designers out there. They design a website, but they don't really know how to make it flow quite right, make the, the menu flow, or to design it to make it attractive for the viewer. So when someone comes to a website, they don't get confused or lost. In fact, I had a new, uh, I got a new client yesterday where they had a website built and people are coming to her and saying, well, I didn't know that you built, or I didn't know that you uh, had a book, right? Because the website was laid out so confusing, so haphazardly that they, they were saying, oh, I can't, I also can't find your online course. Where do I find it? It's on your website, but where? So it wasn't very easy to flow through the site and find what they were looking for. Okay. I want to get clear on this, though. What is the advantage of having a graphic designer and a web designer at the same time? It's unique because most people don't do it, but why is it a competitive advantage to have both in one person? Well, it's kind of like a one-stop shop. Mm. Right. You don't have to go to different people. You don't have to work with two different people. Um, I definitely have heard other people who have said I had to work with a graphic designer and a website designer, and they they didn't necessarily talk. And then talking between multiple people, sometimes the message gets lost between working like with three people or more. Because um, sometimes there, I, I've heard that people have four people on their team, the mm -hmm. business owner, the website designer, the graphic designer, and then the SEO person. So when you're com com um, communicating your what you want your message to be to three different people, right. something can get lost in the translation sometimes. So this is a great opportunity for you because if you're taking the process that is uh, misunderstood to begin with, people that hire someone like you don't know what they're talking about already because you're pushing buttons and building things that simpletons like me have no idea what you're doing behind the curtain. So you're taking something that's really complex and you're making it even more simple for people to understand because there are fewer mouths to feed, fewer meetings to have, fewer translations of the vision. So it's not just I make pretty pictures and I design websites. It's what's in it for me. So you're asking, how do I get people to know about that? I just want to make sure that we're really clear on what the advantages of having that would be. Because if you were taco truck and website designer, I don't know what the advantage of that is. But you're a graphic designer and a website designer. I can see what that value is for the person that buys you. So the first thing I would say is let's get really clear on what the non-technical 
easy to explain benefits are. And I came up with three. Working with you instead of other website designers. Working with someone who's a graphic designer and a website designer all in one gives you simplicity, speed, and savings. Those are all things that someone who's deciding between you and another shop would want. You explain it one time, we move a lot faster, and you're going to save money because you only have to hire one person, not four. Like, wow, okay, those are all benefits as to why I should use you over someone else. Because when you say, I want everyone to know that I'm a designer and a website person, we have to translate, why would anyone care? So let's just assume that those three points That's the first part of it. The second part of it is when you've heard me say this a million times, I want someone to figure out why they're different and then run for office, right? And when you run for office, you figure out what you're going to say and you say it every single time. You say the same thing over and over. Jack Butcher says, find a thousand ways to say the same thing because you want to be known for a particular item on the mental shopping shelf, right? So Mm -hmm. when you say waterfront graphic design, that doesn't say graphic designer and website designer. So you may need to alter either your positioning statement that's said right after waterfront, or you may need to inject waterfront graphics and web design or something that allows you to introduce yourself and let them know at the jump right away, I'm not your average web designer. Now, that may make you feel weird. Oh, my gosh, we're messing messing with the company name. But you see where I'm going with that and how there's a difference between what you're saying now and what I'm trying to direct you to say? Yes. Mm-hmm. I've actually been debating on changing the business name because I, I started 21 years ago as a graphic designer Mm -hmm. and I eventually evolved into website and the name of the business never really evolved with it. And I think it could be relatively simple. It could be waterfront graphics and web design. Very simple. So right in your name, when you say, hi, I'm Amy, I own waterfront graphics and web design. What do you do? Mm -hmm. Graphics and web design. Oh, that's relatively simple. I mean, you're not showing up saying, I do Twinkies, right? You do I graphics and web design. That's what I do. And then taking those benefits into simplicity, savings, and speed. Because we're always concerned about what's in it for me. Why you over someone else? Mm-hmm. So teach us something. If your client said, I wanted to change my company name, and I want to make these benefits cut through in your experience... Like if you needed to change the name of your company, visually, how would you go through that? And how would you evaluate someone's website? Because I want to get inside the mind of a practitioner here. Where would you start this conversion if you were going to make these changes? Mm-hmm. So like on a website you're talking about. Yeah, like how would you deploy this visually and on a website? Because this is the type of thing that you do for people. Right, right. So kind of put that more into a message as well. No, I think what what I'm curious about is if you could teach us something, where would you start today? Let's assume that what we just talked about, yes, I'm going to do it. Just for all of our education's sake, where would you start today making those transitions? Because I think we would learn something if we heard how you thought about it. Well, first and foremost, when I work with a new client, I do have a couple of questionnaires that I have them fill out and that gets them thinking about where they want their business to go, not where they were, but where they're heading, where they're growing to. And then based off of that, if they have any questions, we sit down, we go over the questionnaire. That's kind of the first step because the business owner has to be very clear on where they're heading, right? They may not know that, but I can kind of help work with them on figuring out like who's their target market and all that kind of stuff. Right. And then based off of that, we work on if this is your target market, then is your message right on point? If the message isn't on point, we work on the message first and then we go, okay, this, we figure out the message. Then we go, okay, here's our message. 
here's our perfect clientele. What does that clientele want here? What does that client, excuse me, what does that clientele like? So then we work on like the look that's way at the end of the process, right? The look and feel, but that comes after we figure out all of those pre-steps of what is the person that you're trying to attract to you. And isn't it fascinating that someone who does that for a living needs to step outside their bubble and ask the question because you're fully capable to make the changes we just talked I am about. I'm fully capable, but when sometimes when it comes down to my business, I feel like I'm too close, right? I can do it for anybody else, but I'm that, you know, what, what's that old saying, the, the cobbler's shoes? Yeah. Like the kids have no shoes. So I'm, I'm too close that I, I start to second guess myself, but I could do it for anybody else any day of the week. You know, that's the beauty of perspective. And I have people ask me about what do I do and how do I do it? A lot of times I'm just the outside voice asking some questions, redirecting the way that people think, because people like you who know what they're doing just need someone to talk about it with. Well, I hope that this has shed some light on a direction that you could go and keep in touch with us because we want to hear from you after the conversions are made and see where you head. Amy Pierquet from Waterfront, maybe graphics and web design. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you. Amy, thanks for coming on the show. Great conversation. I appreciate you taking the time. And as I said at the beginning of the show, I appreciate your courage to raise your hand and ask for some assistance. Up next, Chad Lawson. This guy is doing something so cool. You all need to know about him and his project. Chad, it's great to see you. Tell everyone who you are, what you do, and then we'll get into how we can help you today. Absolutely. I am the captain of the Maker Spaceship, uh, mobile makerspace providing creative play events uh, to children, of all ages, uh, designed to uh, inspire and unlock potential. It's a great uh, program that you're building, and I know it's been going through some transformation and growth, so I'm curious, how can we help you today? Well, as and you're, you're absolutely right about the transition and growth. Uh, this was originally conceived with a very single, I heard Amy mention niche, uh, uh, and it has had to expand and, and broaden its scope, which is, which is both a, a curse and a blessing. Um, the curse part of that is originally this was going to be entirely funded. These events were going to be entirely focused on children's hospitals and be entirely provided through donor funding. Um, now that it is expanding to groups like Big Brothers Big Sisters, um, as well as uh, community groups and, and smaller corporate things, um, my background is in business, is in my degree is in business, but it's all focused on more of a for-profit product world. So, okay, fixed costs, indirect costs, overhead, et cetera. I need to come up with a pricing scheme so that I can, instead of playing the standard dodgeball game of talking to a potential client, I need to know for my own sake, how does one price an event-based an activity-based event in terms of cost um, so that I can try to best establish how much of this is going to be provided by the client and how much of this is going to come from donations and funding. I don't want to dr completely drain, you know, this, there's going to have to be some skin in the game from the people coming to the events. And I'm trying to find the best and most fair way to price all of this if that makes sense. Yeah, it's a great question. So let's start with the first, I don't know if it's a misconception or the thing that I, at least, let's start with this. And I don't want to like say it's a misconception, but I do want to make sure that we're thinking about this in the right way. If you're on the planet to help as many people as possible, you need to build a pricing structure for Maker Spaceship that has a profit in every interaction. So you're fueling the opportunity to grow and help more people. This is not a break-even endeavor, and you can't feel guilty about that, or you'll only be this big. If you want to take over the world and help every kid in the universe, you need to find a way that you are creating some sort of net margin on every single event, so that way you can continue to fuel the growth about where this is going. And sometimes 
when you talk with folks that are in a nonprofit situation, they want to break even, they don't want to take advantage of people, they want to make it affordable. Those are all great things, but there's not a bottomless pit of opportunity here if there's not profit or at least resources to help you to continue to fuel the machine. So I just want to say that out loud because sometimes I think nonprofits think too small. And I'm not accusing you of that, but this is an opportunity for me to remind everyone that's in this situation, let's start with building a machine that kicks off profit so you can continue to grow. Does yeah, that make sense, it, right? Absolutely. And it's, it's, and, and I, yes, it's taken me some time to get past that exact roadblock in my head. The, the fear in terms of pricing, I think, has more to do with, because I do want to reach and serve as many people as possible, finding a way because i've got a range of activities you know some cost pennies some cost you know in terms of per per participant you know 30 40 dollars so how do i find a pricing structure especially if i'm working with and i'm pulling this out of thin air i haven't pursued this one yet but say the boy scout if i were to work with a boy scout troop um coming up with something that that guarantees that they're going to be able to bring me in so that I can work with them. Um, but at the same point, doesn't force me to think too small. Yeah. And I think that's a great concern. So let's talk about a couple of things. You could go out and find some of these patron organizations that just support the ongoing operations of the entire program. These are the major corporations or the major donors that give you tens of thousands of dollars a year to facilitate the fact that you're out there trying to make a difference. So if we can knock down X percent of your annual operating costs by having some major donors that are along for the ride, that's going to lower the chunk you have to charge the Boy Scouts. So I think part of your mission would be finding out how do I let big companies get some credit for what I'm doing in exchange for knocking down a portion of my annual operating overhead. Because if someone could give you 25 grand a year and you have three or four of those people, well, now you've got enough for an office and some VAs and some materials and part of your salary and all the things that you need to keep the lights on. Mm -hmm. That way you're not hitting up the Boy Scout troop so you can get uh, your annual or your monthly salary paid so you can continue to perform the service. But let's set that to the side. We're not going to build a whole sponsorship program today. The thing I want to share is you want to give people who want to work with you options. You do the thing where you come in and let kids use their hands to be creative and do something amazing, right? Have a great experience. But you want to make it easy for them to shop. Because as you say, all of your experiences are not created equal. So when you call up the Boy Scouts, you could say, listen, Boy Scouts, I, I come in and I help your kids have a great experience and you get to choose your own adventure now. Would you like the moon, Mars, or the Milky Way? Which one do you want? If you want the moon, I'm showing up with popsicle sticks and marshmallows. If you want Mars, I'm showing up with something bigger. And if you want the Milky Way, oh my goodness, we're going to build a rocket ship. So you let them kind of choose the scale of the engagement with you. So that way they can say, listen, we just want you to come in and do some stuff with the kids. It's not a big deal. Or yeah, we're ready to invest at a bigger level and have a truly half day workshop. Amazing. You see what I mean there? Like you're mm -hmm. giving them options and then they can choose what they want to spend per kid. Yeah. And I'll also trying to determine my original plan was the assumption that every, everything they, they play with, like for example, that anything they build or play with goes home with them. But, you know, if there are there, and maybe that would have to be one of the options, this, this would be, there are, for lack of a better word, without having to try to explain too much in this particular format, because I know you're keeping a clock on me, um, you know, if, do I have, do the doodads go back home with me, but the experiences remain with them? I like the idea of having tokens if not the entire doodad that they can then play with and continue to unlock after they go home. So, but that, yeah, you're right. Having a, I hadn't, uh, something about the way you said it, I've already got kind of a, uh, a menu in progress mm -hmm. based on activities that have worked with, with the, in the past. You know, I'm learning, learning across an entire age range, what works and what doesn't within this time and this time. I feel pretty good about that, but to continue to have that catalog and then possibly then, um, I had never put down on the catalog of price point. 
mm -hmm. and maybe having a, a little dollar scale next to it. And let them choose what they're in for. Because someone mm -hmm. like the Boy Scouts that has to come up with something, you know, several times a month, maybe they can't afford the Milky Way. But mm -hmm. if it's the public library that does one event a year, they may want the Milky Way. It depends on what their budget is. But you're offering them the choice to buy the right-sized experience based on uh, what they have to pay. And one other thing that you could do, if you want something to go home with every kid, maybe they don't have to bring the jungle gym that they assemble home with them, but mm -hmm. you're taking pictures of them on the jungle gym. Or you have a sheet that they color based on what they built or a group picture that gets emailed to everybody after the fact. I'm thinking back to some of the brainstorming meetings that we do in the Idea Collective, some of the VIP groups that I run. Uh, we have the conversation, but after the thing, they all get the Otter transcript. They all get the handwritten notes. So what can you do that captures the moment, but doesn't capture the activity? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 and there's, and that's, and I've got, Plenty of thoughts of the, all along those lines, and plenty of actual things. I just realized this is audio, isn't it? I'm not. If I hold something up to the camera, nobody's going to see it. <laughs> That's so, right. That's aside right. from you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've got plenty of of things that are like little warm up activities or whatever, and those could easily, much much more easily go home. Um, yeah, that's 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 a good point. But there is also a desire to send things home that can continue to be used in other ways. Like, think about I, I like to think of a lot of these projects in the format of I use it. I'm going to say I use the Lego model, but I use the Lego model of old. Mm -hmm. um, when I was a kid, Legos were my favorite toys because you would take the thing out of the box and they would get the instructions would help you build the thing on the front of the box, a three-dimensional jigsaw puzzle. But unlike a jigsaw puzzle after that, take it apart and build whatever you want with it that doesn't even resemble the thing on the box. Most of my favorite Lego creations as a kid had nothing to do with the thing on any of the boxes and you combine kits and so forth. The same type of, of thing goes here, the base components that I have selected uh, for for much of like you're saying, the, the moon, the Milky Way, etc. These base components after the activities done could go home and then continue to do things outside that weren't on the box as it were. And I think that could be the second variable. So you go to the Boy Scouts, what's your scale? And that's where they're choosing moon, Mars or Milky Way. And then what's their souvenir? So you could give them the option saying, and everyone, thanks to the Wauwatosa Public Library, you're all getting the take-home game so you can continue to build <laughs> your little spaceship made out of whatever it might be. So mm -hmm. that could be a second variable that your clients are buying from you when you decide to show up. So if someone loves what you're doing, they get to right-size the opportunity based on how much they're going to pay you. Because if you show up and say it's one size fits all, you're only going to be able to work with that ideal client. If you are willing to work with people with where they're at, maybe in year one, they're a moon project with no souvenir. But by year three, it's so impactful. They're one of your best clients and you show up every month and you're building whatever it might be that's super expensive. You mm -hmm. can grow with them and you're meeting them where they are. So... I think that's the way you might want to think about it as far as revenue is concerned. Let's get those top-line sponsors that help drive down your operating cost. Let's come up with the scale for each individual client so your projects can match what their budget is. And then fuel your desire to have the take-home game by offering them the souvenir that works for them. That way, at every step of the way, you've got money coming into the organization to continue to fuel your growth. Because all of this means nothing if you don't continue to serve more people. So we have to build the machine at the start so you've got money coming in. Because if you've got money coming in, then you can help more people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you got real quiet on me. Is that... Oh, sorry. I was saying, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I didn't know how well that... Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> is that overwhelming? Is that on the right track? Does it feel wrong? What do you think? No, it feels very right. It's uh, the reason the quiet is the uh, the ADHD brain is just going into a million different directions on what that can mean. And it, it's along those lines. I had a, a recent meeting uh, with a potential client where it's it was determined that 
while the I, they're not going to be a client of mine per se. They might uh, sublease me, if you will. A future endeavor they've got going, uh, they see what I do as being a potential resource for their customers. And so bringing me in to do that. And I'm also looking at it as, and there's my contact with some of those sponsors you were just talking about. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. And how much pressure will be off of this organization if you get some of those big patrons? So if you're a big patron that wants to affect the lives of kids, hit up Chad because this thing is brilliant. We'll put the links inside uh, the show notes. Chad Lawson, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. Such a cool project and a great guy. Chad Lawson, thank you for coming on this episode of The Pat Miller Show. Now, don't get confused because I'm Pat and up next is Pat. So double Pat action coming your way. Pat Riley from New Horizons Computer Learning Centers is standing by with a question for us. We'll check in with him as we continue this. Running a small business is lonely and hard. I mean, we know that, right? But did you know it doesn't have to be? Stop networking and start connecting with other entrepreneurs on the small business journey in the Idea Collective Small Business Incubator. In this exclusive worldwide community, we're sharing information, we're brainstorming together, and we're supporting each other through the highs and the lows of building your small business. Learn more about the group and get the feel of this show 24-7 in your small business visit ideacollectiveincubator.com. That's ideacollectiveincubator.com. Remember, it's your dream. Don't grow it alone. This episode of The Pat Miller Show. Welcome back to The Pat Miller Show, a show built just for you. And isn't it about time that someone cared about small business owners, solopreneurs, and entrepreneurs? Gosh darn it, that's why we're here. We want to support you while you build your dream. This show can get better, believe me, trust me, this show can get a whole lot better, and it gets better as it gets bigger, which means we help more people. So the way you can help me get better, besides, you know, feedback and questions and sarcastic remarks at our show's email address, is to share the show with other people that you think would benefit from the conversation, and one of the ways that we reach new people is just to get ratings and reviews. So on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcatcher is... So leave a review, hopefully positive, tell people what you like about the show, uh, and share it with your family and friends and the milkman and the ice cream man and the pizza delivery guy or whomever. But most of all, you can come on the show. We're looking for guests. We're looking for folks to subscribe to the show. All of that is possible at patmillershow.com. So thanks in advance. We appreciate it. Up next on the show is Pat Riley from New Horizons Computer Learning Center. Pat, thanks for coming on. Tell everyone who you are, what you do, and then we'll get into how we can help you today. Hi, how are we doing today? We're good. Tell us about what you do. Sure. We are the state's largest IT and business skills training company, and we work with both individuals who want to get into IT as a career uh, which is uh, something that is very near and dear to my heart. And we also work with businesses that are growing or changing their IT infrastructure uh, to train their employees on whatever uh, is new or uh, expanding uh, within their business. So we have two divisions, our career side and our B2B side. And uh, we're very excited on the growth of both of them. So connecting people with a future in IT, that sounds awesome. And you've got a huge catalog of classes, I would imagine. So your conversation today is part celebration uh, and part small business solution. So tell us about the good news that you had to share. Well, one of the things that we've learned along the way uh, is our industry and a lot of other industries um, will compensate their salespeople on a heavily commissioned structure. Uh, some will go as high as 100%. The insurance industry, for example, uh, is traditionally, uh, you know, maybe they start you out with a little bit of a draw kind of a thing for six months, but then you are on 100% commission, you're on your own, you sell something you eat, you don't sell something you don't eat, that kind of a thing. 
and uh, you know that's that's how it goes. It it's traditional in our industry as well. And what we did um, several years ago uh, is we moved away from that uh, and really bucked the trend uh, with companies uh, like us, and we created a permanent salary component for all of our salespeople. We added additionally a commission structure to that. So they have the ability to make more money. Uh, and there is that driver uh, because you want that for good salespeople. But that uh, salary component allowed us to be able to get a more professional sales group that represents, quite frankly, my name. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen from that are a few things. First of all, uh, we've had 100% salesperson retention since 2016. Wow. And that's really rare. That's not happening right now. People are oftentimes looking for the next great opportunity. And you're saying they're sticking with you after making this change. Absolutely. Now, that doesn't mean that I haven't asked a few people to leave. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> okay. I haven't invited a few people to, uh, to move to somewhere else. But in terms of people coming to me and saying, you know what, I'm going to go somewhere else, that has not happened uh, for what is it now, six years, seven years, something like that. And so we've been able to keep this core team together and allow them to grow and expand uh, their reach, their professional skill development. Uh, we've got people that really understand this industry and understand what it means to be able to help the people that we're trying to help. Again, with two divisions that are very different. Right. B2B and B2C under one roof is a, is a challenge. So paying them more and give them Paying them more and giving them a salary, that makes sense, helps them be more knowledgeable on the products, keeps them around, makes them more professional at the jump. But I think this comes back to the classic discussion of, are they hungry? And right. are they going to sell more if they're comfortable? That's the counter argument to this. So what have you found Absolutely. about their desire to sell and their motivation to make money? Because that's why a lot of salespeople are put on commission in the first place to make sure there's always a fire lit under them. So what have you found? Right. Well, what I found is that a third of my sales team makes more than $100,000 a year. Okay. So they're very good. And what do you get with good? I mean, I understand hunger. There is a value in hunger, but there's also a value in professionalism. And the value in professionalism is that we see things like our salespeople are more willing to collaborate with each other. They're willing to work on deals together. We have a better culture. Uh, we have... Uh, uh, salespeople that share opportunities and are willing to work together for the betterment of our clients. And those clients end up with a better solution because we have a more professional sales operation. Now, again, the, the downside is what happens when we have a bad month? Well, I still have to pay them. So the onus is on me to make sure that I'm motivating them to make sure that I am watching the metrics because we follow metrics daily. We follow phone calls. We follow opportunities that are created. We follow new contacts. So we stay on them. Don't think that we just let them go. We stay on them on a regular basis, especially the newer people that we bring in. But we allow them to have a little bit more runway and we allow them to have a better interaction with our clients because they're not worried so much about, I have to get this person to buy right now. So I'm going to put 
the hard sell on Northwestern Mutual. Right. And I think because that's not because that's not going to I don't mean to interrupt. That's not going to work. Right. Northwestern Mutual isn't going to respond to that. What they will respond to is a more collaborative strategy on what they need to improve the skill sets of their professionals as well. I think this is a great discussion for someone that's thinking about hiring salespeople or they're frustrated with the way their sales program is going. And you said it really well. The work doesn't change. We're all going to have work if we have people. But the work that you've had to make the choice on is either I'm going to continually go out and find people or I'm going to actively manage the people that I have. And you've chosen to actively manage the people that you have rather than always be out there trying to find new people to throw to the dogs. Last question I have, if someone's thinking about adding a salesperson, who's the right type of person or the right type of organization to make the choice the way you did, as opposed to making the choice that maybe is more traditional of, not a high salary, but a high amount of revenue share and commission structure. So who would be the right type of business to do what you've done? Well, I think the B2B marketplace especially uh, is one where you need to have some kind of a salary component. And, and the reason behind that is it takes time to cultivate those relationships in a B2B world. You can't just go into an account and say, hi, I'm here from New Horizons of Wisconsin. We train people. What would you like to buy today? Yeah. That's not how it works. We, we go in, we create awareness. We hopefully can find some opportunities, but it's on the client's timetable that they will actually make a purchase. And so... We have, our, we have our, our salespeople out there making and pinging a lot of clients, hopefully, that's what they should be doing. And when those opportunities arise, we want them thinking of us. But the timetable is really based on when that client is going to be upgrading or hiring new talent or they're bringing in a new solution those types of things. Maybe they're moving to SAP. Well, we've got a huge SAP catalog that we can help them with, or they're moving to SharePoint, or they're going to Office 365, or they're going to the cloud, or they're, they're doing all sorts of things within their business environment that they are, that ne necessitate upskilling. That's when they need us, but we don't get to, we don't get to dictate that timetable. It's a thought-provoking discussion for sure, and so many people are facing that exact question. High commission or high salary, I appreciate the fact that we had the chance to have this discussion. Pat Riley from New Horizons of Wisconsin, first of all, congratulations on your success, and thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Nice to see you again, Pat. A big thanks to Pat Riley and Chad Lawson and Amy Pierquet. And I just like saying Pierquet. It's such a fancy name. Amy Pierquet. Thank them. Thanks to all of them for coming on the show this week. They came on, asked some great questions, and hopefully you enjoyed the conversation. So what do you say? Are you ready to take that courageous step to come on and get some feedback on what you're building? We need you on the program. Visit patmellershow.com. Share your big idea so that way we can collaborate and help you grow. I'm your host, Pat Miller, the Idea Coach, here to help you build your small business dream. Remember, it's your dream. Don't grow it alone. We talked earlier in the episode with Amy Pierquet from Waterfront Graphic Design, and uh, she's going through a challenge of perspective and trying to figure out where the name of the company is going and really highlighting the special nature and the uh, differentiator that she has against other uh, web designers and graphic designers. So I'm curious, were you a web designer first or a graphic designer first? And did they both just develop with one another? I was a graphic designer first. Um, I actually used to design publications and that industry died in 2010, yeah. just basically sunk as we all are aware. Um, 
so I had to make a decision and I, I took 2010 to kind of like, what do I want to do when I grow up? Um, next, next steps. Right. And I decided to become a website designer and I learned all that I could learned everything, learned the software, learned what to do. And so they're, and so they're both, I do both and they're both kind of inter intermingled together. Mm -hmm. So I love the fact that I can create custom graphics as being a, a, um, a graphic designer as well for my clients to put on their website. So their website is like uniquely for them. My background before building the Idea Collective and helping people was in radio. And a lot of the stuff that I learned in radio translates to helping small business owners. I'm curious mm -hmm. about your background in print, how those lessons learned have helped you make better looking websites and graphics to date. Are there any competitive advantages or things that you learned in the previous job that have helped you with the current job? Which it's kind of funny that you asked that. I just recently had that aha moment that working in publications and figuring out how to lay out the pages, what goes in the front of the magazine, what goes in the middle, what goes at the end, where do you place this? Where do you place this on the page has really helped transition into website design. How are we going to lay out this information? Cause the client comes with, I want this on the website, this on the website, this on the website. How do I lay it out? I have lots of clients that come to me and say, okay, I've got this new offering or I've got this new thing. Where do I put it on my website? What page do I put it on? And for me, it's just second nature. Like I know, okay, well, we're going to create a separate page for it and maybe put a button or like a highlight on the homepage that links over to it. That would be your best idea. Or we can just put a little tidbit on the homepage. So some of the lessons translate. I want to know who's the perfect client to work with you. Uh, if someone's listening and they're like, man, Amy really sounds like she knows what she's talking about. Who do you like to work with and who do you get the best results for? The people that I get the best results for and that I absolutely love are businesses that are growing and transitioning. Transitioning, I can't talk today, Pat. <laughs> um, so they're seeing some massive growth in their business or they're potentially working with a business coach and they're realizing they need to niche down or they're realizing this is my perfect clientele. They look at their website or any of their graphics and they go, this is not where I'm heading. This is where I was. This is where I was when I started my business, but I've grown a lot as an individual or I've grown a lot as a business. And I want to see my website show that change. So I love working with people because those steps that I mentioned earlier, the um, messaging and, and working and, and working on the message to talk to that ideal clientele is a, a wonderful transition to get your business to where you want it to go. I like what you're saying there. And I think it could go into your messaging and targeting, talking about, I like to work with scaling businesses, the ones that are growing, the ones that are changing, the ones that need a new look, they need a new website, they've outgrown where they've been. And I'm a growth agency. I'm a transitional expert. You know, we find a way to say that. So you're not just working with anyone off the street. You're working for people that need to get to the next level. And that's another competitive advantage of having graphics and web all in one place. It's great to talk with you. We'll put links to the business inside the show notes. Amy Pierquet, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Pat. One of my favorite projects that's being built right now is Maker Spaceship. Chad Lawson was on the show earlier Chad, how did this all start? Why are you building Maker Spaceship? Well, I've been, per, this is kind of the culmination of, of, in many ways, a lifetime of experience, but more specifically since 2018 and accelerating in through COVID. Um, so uh, I've always been a, a tinker and a player. Uh, I love just I mentioned Legos, for example, during the show, one of my first toys. Um, my first makerspace, if you will, was my grandma's house. She had an arts and crafts room. Um, my favorite thing to build, unsurprisingly, was a rocket out of a Pringles can, uh, coffee cups, um, playing cards as fins, etc. I And in my mind, those took it took on more of a life than any person looking at this wreck would ever think. Um, in 
Starting in 2018, I've been volunteering with a camp that meant a lot to me in my life, Camp One Step, a camp for uh, kids with cancer and leukemia. Please, everyone take a look at Camp One Step. Uh, and it's, it's, it's been an amazing experience going back as a volunteer. And we've been, I've been bringing, when the incoming director mentioned a desire to have more programming for indoor kids, well, golly, I'm an indoor kids, and do I have some programming ideas for you? And so for the next couple of years, I started bringing more and more of these events and activities to the camp. And the plan was in 2020 to have this be a full program within the camp. But obviously things changed and we went virtual, which was both good and bad. Um, when we spoke on the show back in November, that was the, uh, the culmination of all of that in working with the camp and realizing we had campers in the virtual program attending from the hospital, something we never could have had in a regular year. And the idea of then being able to bring those events, have those aha moments, watch those eyes light up. As somebody who has been through childhood leukemia myself, have, being in the hospital is a, a mind-numbing and painful experience on, on multiple levels. And being able to bring activities there that are more than just sitting inside your own head, that are being connected to the real world. Um, but also at the same time, I'm, I've been in part of Big Brothers Big Sisters since 2012. And uh, my, my little brother has aged out, if you will, but we are, we are still very much connected. In fact, he, as soon as I get a few more ducks in a row, he is going to be employee number two. Um, so this is, well, assuming I'm employee number one. Um, and so this has been part of that, of having that kind of father-son relationship and taking that idea of how do you inspire, not through, to borrow from Disney, um, I would rather entertain people and hope they learn something than try to teach and hope they were entertained. And on top of that, being a part of the maker community and being seeing time and time again at these various STEM education events, this desire to find a way to get more kids interested in STEM. And I don't particularly care for STEM or even STEAM because it immediately follows up with education. You're trying to cram information into somebody's head. What if instead I hand you a box of Legos and say, build me a rocket? And, or if I, kicking that up a notch, uh, taking a look at um, First Robotics that does the Lego Mindstorms, they do programs. Now make me a Lego-based robot that can move things around, that can accomplish a mission. The things that you learn along the way, it wasn't that you were taught how to do that, you figured it out for yourself. And that real, that having that inspiration, that moment, especially here in Milwaukee, of being able to say, I don't have to be what other people have told me I have to be. I can be an engineer. I can be a creator. I can be a builder. I can be an inventor to give everyone that opportunity and watching as the STEM education program flounders throughout Milwaukee, how can I do it at a community level and give everyone those same levels of opportunity? How does it make you feel when kids have that light bulb moment, when they go from Legos are cool to, whoa, I built a robot. How do you feel as the you know dreamer of this organization when you see the light bulb go on? Uh, it, it's, I, I love it. I had a experience, um, doing virtual camp last year, two years ago, two years ago, I think, where we did a project making, it was essentially making a paper boat, right? Not the most exciting thing in the world, but we added a conductive tape circuit to it so that it would light up when you put it in water, the water closed the circuit, did it. But even just getting to that moment of, um, making the boat and showing the, I had one particular person, one, one camera, because I'm dealing with teenagers, right? So the cameras keep going off, they're sick of Zoom. So the camera's off or I'm explaining and I don't know if anybody, if I'm reaching anybody and all of a sudden the camera comes on and there's a boat in hand. And then we go on to the next part and we start talking about the circuit and the camera comes on and there's an LED on the battery and it's, it's light lit up. And then all of a sudden it comes, the camera comes back again, there's four LEDs and it's just, the, those constant moments of, of realization of, of, and it feels great for me, but it also calls back to those moments for me of realizing that somebody has just had 
a realization that there's more interesting things, there's more in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in their philosophy, if you will, to, to bastardize Shakespeare. Having that, that, for me, it's exciting because I get to know that I was a part of that. But it's also, that's, at the risk of sounding arrogant, my legacy, knowing that there are going to be people going forward that can be, that realize they can be more than they thought they could. You're out there doing the work that a lot of people want to support. Let's talk about those patrons. Do you have slots available? Who's a perfect patron for someone to work with you and help further your mission? A perfect patron would be... um, so I look at, a, there's a number of the organizations in this area that I know already donate to places like Camp One Step and various STEM programs throughout the city. Um, a perfect patron would be somebody who would love to see those aha moments themselves, that would love to, I, I guess I would say, the companies, that, here's the ones, all right, I have your answer. And if you want to edit this, feel free. If you want to hear me stumble, that's fine too. But here's the answer. I want every company, and they know who they are, that has shown up to these events and bemoaned the fact that there isn't any, there isn't anybody really driving STEM and STEAM in this city. I want all of them to put up and shut up. Well, don't shut up. Just put up and come and talk. (laughs) Come and be a part. I love it. You're making a difference with something that's important to you and so many others. Chad Lawson, I'll link everything inside the uh, show notes. I appreciate you coming on and good luck. Thank you very much. I love having small business celebrations on the show because we get to hear what works for people and then ask them some questions so we can try and take what they've done and apply it to our business. We didn't really talk so much about New Horizons of Wisconsin, the computer training that you offer. So, Pat Riley, let's bring you back on here and let's talk about the business itself. So you have B2B and B2C. Let's start with the B2C side, where you're just helping people improve their livelihood and find their next great career. What are some of the things that you're training them on? Boy, we do a lot of different things. What we have is we've got a group of people that work for us, and we work with individuals all the way through the process. So uh, we have people that come to us Uh, Right out of high school, we have people that come to us that are 50 years old and want to make a change, Uh, and and even older, in fact. Um, We work with people who are on uh, government programs and are in a a disadvantaged group that want to get out of uh, where they are in life. And we actually have been very, very successful in uh, providing IT and business careers for all of those folks, because we begin with the end in mind, to quote uh, the great Stephen Covey, and we work with them on what kind of a career do you want to have? Mm -hmm. What types of skills do you want to enhance? Then we build a program, either from one that we have, Maybe it's a cloud computing program. Maybe it's networking. Maybe it's an administrative assistant, for example, which is a very popular program for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it could be a lot of things. We are into esports now, which is extremely popular. Um, we've run four different cohorts this year alone, uh, combining esports uh, with our traditional CompTIA. Uh, uh, IT training. And uh, we take where they want to go, we build a program for them, then we either work with them directly or we work with various government agencies for people who are unemployed or underemployed to help get funding to pay for them. So the majority of the individuals that we work with will get government help because the government has money. And I think that's important that we spend it. And it's important that we get that part into the episode because we talked a little bit about helping B2B and some of the big companies, but helping folks improve their life and get onto the next stage of their career, I know is a big driver for you personally. If someone yes. wants to know more about New Horizons, we'll put the link inside the comments. And I just have to ask in case someone's listening and now they're curious, are you looking for any salespeople, Pat? 
Actually, we are. We are growing and we are interested in uh, in adding to our sales team. So if someone is uh, listening to this and wants to get into tech sales, uh, please feel free to email uh, me or uh, contact us uh, through the link and I would be happy uh, to have a conversation. And here's what's uh, cool. We've got a great company and we're doing great things and we need great people. So I would be happy to have a conversation. And here's what's cool. Pat employs people that are remote. So if you're listening to this and you're not in Wisconsin, it's all good. Reach out to Pat and maybe you can be a part of his growing team. That pays really well. Pat Riley, thanks for coming <laughs> on, man. Great to see you. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Guests on the Pat Miller Show have agreed prior to appearing that they are receiving consultation and advice that they may or may not use at their own risk. No part of this show should replace accounting, tax, or legal advice.